And here we are in one more episode of the episode. <laughs> that sounds funny, but yeah. it's actually an episode and probably goes with the show. It is. Of Down the Rabbit Hole. And like every week, Carl, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. Um, I'm just going to cover the weather very briefly this week as we have a special this week. The weather is beautiful. It is a uh -huh. beautiful autumn morning here in Cluj in Transylvania. And if you would like to sponsor the weather section, remember to just send us a message. Yeah. And we can sponsor the weather from Transylvania, Cluj, Napoca, or mm. who knows, maybe you want to say the weather wherever you are. Wherever you are. Yeah. I'm waiting. Yeah. Carl, are you willing to put a bikini and say the weather? Uh, I'm not sure I've got the legs for it, but I've got the legs for radio. <laughs> okay. Then that should be enough. <laughs> and this is episode number 30, and we have such a cool topic today. Yeah, we do. We I do. think it's uh, very funny. It is funny. So, we are talking about the ignoble prices. Exactly. Not everybody has heard of them, right? No. So... Uh, they're, they're a counter to the Nobel Prizes. Yes. They are a kind of parody. It's a parody. Actually, it's a parody mm. of the Nobel Prizes. And they happen every year uh, down, uh, between middle September, yeah. beginning of October, depends. And usually, or they actually give for 10 unusual categories or right? trivial yeah. achievements in scientific research. Yeah. Even so, uh, actually, although some of the um, the work sounds very trivial, actually, when you actually look at some of them a little deeper, you can actually see maybe, well, maybe there's something there, but they sound uh -huh. crazy, right? Yeah, it does, actually. Uh, uh, this year, uh, the ceremony took place in September 22nd Yeah, at, like every year, the Harvard's uh, Sanders Theater. Yeah. And... That this time the, the the ceremony, well, also last year, was webcast live. That's right. And um, they have a bit of a novel take on the um, applauding at uh -huh. the Ig Nobels, don't they? Because instead of actually applauding, uh -huh. they throw paper airplanes yes. at targets on the stage, mm -hmm. which I'm not sure that's going to catch on, but I like it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. First of all, the name of it. The Ig Nobel, yeah. Ig Nobel, mm. yes. It comes from uh, playing with this, those words. Yeah, and the Ig combination Nobel. with the Nobel Prize. Yeah. And originally the idea was, uh, and it's still organized by, uh, the scientific uh, humorous magazine, Annals of Scientific something or other. Oh, Annals of... The Annals of Improbable <laughs> Research. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why... <laughs> Getting a little carried away. Yeah. Freudian slip there, I think. Yeah. <laughs> the annals of improbable research, I meant to say. I'm sorry for insulting annals everywhere. Um, yeah, so there you go. So we're going to cover the uh, main category prizes, uh -huh. aren't we? Yes, and those categories include uh, physics, chemistry, uh, physiology, medicine, literature, peace, mm. engineering, biology, and so on. Yeah. So, are we ready? I think we should start. We're just going to cherry pick from the uh, main categories, aren't we? Yes, we're going to start. Uh, we Actually, let's go in order from the official website. Yeah, why oh, not? Yeah. 
And the first one... I'm already laughing just reading yes. the first one. I, I will say, let's alternate the... Okay, you go prices. first. You go first. I will mention the first one. Yeah. The reproduction price goes to Egypt. Ahmed Shafiq. The late. The late. Yes, Ahmed Shafiq. Yeah. For studying the effects of wearing polyester, cotton, <laughs> or wool trousers on the sex life of rats. Yeah. And for conducting similar tests with human males. Yeah. What do you think about that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there are actually, uh, obviously, he's got we two have, reference papers yes, we there. Have, we have the reference papers, um, of course. One one of, of, yeah, mm, sorry, go ahead. Uh, one of them is the contraceptive efficacy of polyester-induced azuspermia in normal men. And I think azuspermia is to do with abnormal sperm yeah, or something behavior. like that. Yeah. Um, and the other one is? Yeah. Uh, effect of different types of textiles on sexual activity. An area that, in fact, has fascinated me uh, myself. Yeah. You obviously. have also made some studies there. Well, you know, you do your best, right? Yeah. You can't always be scientific, but... Um, I suppose you have wear uh, polyester underwear? Uh, well, uh, different materials. Cotton. See what, you know, see how do it Do you affects. have any preference? Um, <laughs> uh, I have to say, I arrived at no firm conclusions. <laughs> but all I would like to mention is that uh, this reference of the... Uh, Ahmed Shafiq, the effects of different types of textiles on sexual activity, um, was published in European Urology. Um, yeah. 1993. Yeah. Uh, 1993. So he's obviously, and of course his other paper was 1992. So uh -huh. clearly this uh, is a kind of a posthumous award, I think, isn't it? Yes, it is. Um, and I was fascinated by whether they actually had very tiny trousers made. That's exactly what right. I was about to say. Were they putting underwear to the rats, you know, like making them wear wool trousers, trousers yeah. polyester and cotton? Yeah. Um, the study groups, different study groups, and the ones that are just free. And how <laughs> did they, you know, how did they figure out whether they, what the rats thought Of this. Or maybe he was just measuring the activity of... Uh, of the sperm. Yeah. I can't believe you can get paid for doing this stuff, right? I think you can get paid for almost anything, right? <laughs> ah, you've been to Bucharest as well. Yeah, of course. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> moving on. Yeah, well, yes. I think that is a very interesting one, and I'm surprised nobody's following up on that. Yeah. Well, we don't know, but I think I think there is more research into push-up bras, for example. You know the support <laughs> bras. Yeah, I'm sure that could be done on rats as well. On rats, yeah, probably. Yeah. Female rats, obviously. Of course. Really, the work needs doing. <laughs> yeah. So, what about the next one? Um, yeah. The economics prize. <laughs> This was, in fact, awarded to New Zealand and the United Kingdom. And the UK, uh-huh. Uh, to Mark Avis, Sarah Forbes and Sheila Ferguson for assessing the perceived personalities of rocks 
from a sales and marketing perspective. And there is a reference, The if you want to read the, uh, yeah. the published paper. The reference is the brand personality of rocks, hmm. a critical evaluation of brand personality scale. Yeah. And was published in 2014. In marketing theory. Theory. Now, uh, interestingly, Mark... Avis and Sarah Forbes actually attended to get a prize. Attended for them, which is good. I like it when they turn up, right? Yeah. Um, and I presume they explained a little more about what they were trying to do. I mean, what do you think could be behind this? This. Well, I think as the per- personalities of rocks mm. from a sales and marketing perspective. Yeah. What, what do you is- think it has to do with shapes and how they could relate and attract in? Backgrounds or in displays for or coloring or the yeah. texture or the yeah how can they be used for marketing purposes? Um, Could it be something like that? Well, it says perceived personalities of rocks, so maybe it's to do with expresses something a shape and the color of a rock. Yeah, or the texture may express a certain generate a certain response in the in a person. So you pick up a, uh-huh. you pick up a, um, for example, you pick up a, a piece of granite. It, uh-huh. is, it is very heavy. Yeah. Right? As against you pick up a piece of pumice, which is like that volcanic it's, stuff. Yeah, I know. It's all and that's super light, yeah, it's right? Super light, yeah. Um, so maybe it's to do with what emotions it generates well, in the... In I don't think so because it's, you know, it's an economics price. So it has to be something related to economics. Well, I agree. Um, see, personal, right? Well, it, uh, but again, pe- sales are an emotional um, experience, aren't they? Uh-huh. So maybe it is to do with emotional reactions reactions in people um, that are generated by exposure to different yeah. rock types or shapes in a, as it says there. In a sales and marketing perspective, I don't uh-huh. know. I mean, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe we should have read the paper, right? Well, yeah. But <laughs> that, would... <laughs> that may have, you know, curtailed the fun, I don't know. But, okay. But I, I presume that um, they had a good reason for doing it. I but, suppose, yes, they had their reasons. And I look forward to seeing had. more rocks. Uh, in yeah. sales related, we're going to be paying more attention to the rocks. We are, in fact, strangely, actually, yesterday I saw some rocks in a shop window in town. You see, they made you look at them, made well, you look at the product. I, well, they were actually uh, around the feet of a mannequin in a shop window, and the window was crushed. Well, no, I, <laughs> strangely, no. Uh, I spent more time looking at the rocks than I did at the mannequin. Now, I don't know whether I was being influenced by this <laughs> yeah. research, but mostly I was looking at the rocks, asking myself, what are those rocks doing there? Yeah. So I don't know. <laughs> so anyway, so how about the physics prize? Physics You're gonna prize. That one, right? Yeah. Ooh, I got the very hard names. Ooh, yes. And this prize was awarded to Hungary. Spain, Sweden, and Switzerland. How and we, we how had Gabor Horvath, Miklos Balo, Georgi Kriska, Ramon He- Hegedus, Balas Gerix, Robert Farkas, 
Susan Ackeson, Peter Malik and Hans Ruedi Wildermuth. Do you know, I'm really glad you got this one. Yeah. I, w I wouldn't have done that. <laughs> so, yeah. everything was, the reason of the prize was for discovering why white-haired horses yeah. are the most horsefly-proof horses yeah. and for discovering why dragonflies are fatally attracted to black tombstones. Yeah, we should have read that the paper better. We should have read more about this. Why are dragonflies fatally attracted like, to black tombstones? Yeah. Why? Well, it's got to be the colour, presumably. The colour? It's got to be. Well, what else can it be? It's got... Maybe it's... Maybe they need to take some light to the black, to well, the darkness. Maybe it's to do with what dragonflies... Obviously, they don't see yeah. how we see, right? No, so they uh -huh. have a different range. Range, uh -huh. And maybe black tombstones appear in their peak kind of uh, mating colour range or something. Because dragonflies seem to spend most of their time... Now, how would you explain horsefly-proof horses well um i don't know um <laughs> white-haired horses i think this is obviously referring to the mane of the horses i know it, do you think? yeah yeah um but is, is it possible that white-haired horses generally speaking have longer manes is that because they flip Probably. them about don't they, they flip yeah they them move it a lot to, yeah oh, and they use the tails as well don't they uh-huh Oh. They, they headbang, let's say. But maybe it's to do... And their tails as well. Maybe it's to do with the tails. Maybe it's not the heads at all. Maybe. Because they flick the tails they, around, they don't they? They swap the flies. They away the flies, yeah. yeah. So maybe... It has to do with the tails, probably. Yeah. So it's probably the tails, and it's probably to do with the consistency of white hair. Maybe it's thicker Be, or something. Maybe it shines with the light in the range of the flies, and the flies... Woo! You could be right. Because no. you, have you seen how sometimes people put in uh, mm. street stuff, you know, food, places. They put bottles of waters, water or hang bags, plastic bags with water. Did they? Yes. So light reflects on them and that oh. takes flies away. Oh, so the, to get the reflection on the yeah. water and that what, that that attracts the flies or something? No, or no they reject They get confused? Them. Probably. <laughs> Well, I have seen that, really. So you think it might be to do with the optical quality Probably. of the white hair? Or, like you say, maybe it's harder. It's a different consistency. Hair, yeah. More, just, you know, snap them. <laughs> better. Yeah. More whip-like yeah. behavior. Now, there are two papers, aren't there? One is wow, yeah. an unexpected advantage of whiteness in horses. The, oh, The most horsefly-proof horse, horse has a depolarizing white coat. Uh -huh. So depolarizing must mean the light is being scattered then. So it's similar, like I told you, it's, with the water. It's yeah. the quality, isn't it? So it's yeah. Yeah. causing the light to... Oh, there you look. And the other paper... <laughs> Oh, so the first paper, The Unexpected Advantage of Whiteness in Horses, was the... Proceedings of the Royal Society. And uh -huh. the other one, Ecological Traps for Dragonflies in a Cemetery, The Attraction of Sympentrum Species 
by horizontally polarizing black gravestones. Uh-huh. So it must. Now, black gravestones are usually made of marble, aren't they? Yes. So maybe it's the crystal structure in the marble horizontally polarizes the light reflecting. That attracts them, yeah. And it does something to the, the flies. Uh-huh. And this was published in, in 2007 in Freshwater Biology. Biology. So. And mm-hmm. Suzanne. Atkinson at, uh, attended the ceremony yeah, to get well, the prize. I think it's good when they turn up. Yeah. Anyway, so kind of, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. It's not rubbish, is it? No. I don't think any of them are rubbish, you know, really. Like they said, the title, I think it has an interesting purpose there. Ecological trap for dra- dragonflies. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to get rid of dragonflies? Well, in an a, area. In an area. Yeah. There you go. Put a horizontally polarizing surface. Yeah. And uh, off you go, right? Okay, you are next. Could be a product there. Yeah. Right, can you just bring it up a bit so that I can see the references as well? Oh, it's the chemistry prize, right? Yeah, next one. Oh, this is a good one. It's for you. I think everybody will have heard of this one. Um, This is the chemistry prize awarded to Germany. Now, they have a long history of uh, good work in chemistry. Yes. And we don't have to go into it all of that. (laughs) (laughs) But their most recent um, accolade in chemistry is in fact uh, awarded to the car manufacturer Volkswagen Uh uh, for their sterling work on um, automobile emission uh, pollution. And um, they found a tremendous um, kind of... uh, um, way of solving the pollution uh, problem with automobiles by basically writing some software, some code that automatically produced fewer emissions whenever the cars were being tested for emissions. Yeah. Which is a great. Or passing the test. It's like a workaround. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, I understand actually, separately from this, that an engineer at Volkswagen is actually going to stand trial. <laughs> for this for this for this yeah. very thing of course. so none of his line management none of the executives who couldn't the possibly writer. have known what was going yeah. on yeah it's always a coder right? yeah, it's always the guy at the bottom who gets his ass yeah. kicked right of course so this guy is going to get his ass kicked all over the German courtroom right <laughs> um, so basically um, a reference for this um, are those good people in California they actually um, called Volkswagen on this whole thing by issuing a notification of the Clean Air Act violation to Volkswagen in Uh 2015. Mm -hmm. And I think to date, I think it has cost Volkswagen something around $11 billion. Yes. And they've had to recall... Hundreds of thousands of vehicles. But of course, since then, a number of other companies have also been um, found to have been doing the same thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, And, but of course, Volkswagen were the first and therefore have been singled out for this rather wonderful prize. Now, strangely, nobody turned up. 
from Volkswagen. What would you have expected to? Well, they could have sent suddenly the CEO of Volkswagen. They could have sent that engineer who's going to get his ass kicked. <laughs> at least let him get a prize. Yeah, at least let him. You know, he can have it on the shelf in his prison cell. Uh, and this is the ignoble I won for my work with Volkswagen. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He could dine out on that for a while. Uh-huh. Um, but apparently he didn't turn up. So. Oh. Nobody was around to get the press. So, I mean, what do, what do you think of, um, you know, in terms of corporate responsibility? I, I think, think it was um, wrong. Well, of course it was wrong. Yeah. But. Um, but one, one thing that I can say for sure is that mm. I'm sure that this uh, programmer, the engineer, the guy that made the program mm. was acting under. I bet he was under pressure for us. Under pressure. For sure. Under orders of. From uh, somewhere. Somewhere else. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure he's just the scapegoat. So every time he came up with the numbers yeah. from his code and said, this is what it's showing, we go, well, no, that can't be right. Can, no, when you're we need the numbers like this. The cars right? need to be running, right? <laughs> when they run, they can do whatever they want. Yeah, but when right. they're tested, they have to perform. Yeah. And of course, this has set off a whole, um, I don't know whether you've noticed, Robin, but it's set off a whole kind of string a whole raft of kind of doubt yeah. in people's minds about, for example, um, the um, mileage figures, the kilometers. Of course, if they are being treated as well. Is that a call, yeah. right? And obviously that that has actually been going on for quite a long time. That People mm-hmm. have said, the manufacturers give these numbers, you but try and get it correct. to do that. Right? Yeah. It won't do it. You make your own numbers and you're like, uh, uh, this is weird. Yeah, And... I noticed that uh, there's another thing starting now to do with energy ratings of devices. Uh-huh. I saw one about televisions, TV sets, oh, yeah. where, you know, they come up with these ratings and it's, you know, this is a green TV set and all uh-huh, this rubbish. Uh-huh. Now there's doubt being cast on <laughs> So basically, okay. this whole thing of certification is looking like a pack of cards, right? It is just... Yeah. Smoke and mirrors, and uh, again, the consumer is just being conned. Right? Of course, by the corporations. Yeah, <laughs> all we are meant to do is consume, right? Mm-hmm. And don't ask questions. <laughs> and the next one. The next one. I think oh this my is God, for it's you. And oh, this was hilarious when yeah, I read it. It is fantastic. Yeah, I. Is the medicine price? I think this is. Good. I think this. There's something it's interesting here, right? here, actually. But it was funny when I read it because it's clever. It, it goes to Germany, <laughs> to Christoph Helmgen, Karina Palser, uh, Thomas Munte, <clears throat> Silke Anders, and Andreas uh, Sprenger. Yeah. For discovering that if you have an itch, yeah, which I the, do from time to time, on the left side of your body, mm-hmm. you can relieve it by looking into a mirror. And scratching the right side of your body, and vice versa. That is amazing, isn't it? Right? Yeah. And there's a re- reference for yeah. each relief by mirror sc- mirror scratching, yeah. a psychological, a f- psychophysical, psychophysical study. Yeah. And, and that was in plus one, which is a big, yeah, big thing, right? And 2013 was published. Now, this probably says a lot about perception, and, perception. and brain mapping and all this. Yeah stuff isn't it and about how your mind perceives your body of course because when you see you see yourself in the mirror yeah you know 
you would think that you are scratching the yeah the side the, the side that is actually itching. Yeah, but it's the reverse image and all that yeah. rubbish. And now the funny part is that whatever it is, you will still have to scratch. <laughs> yeah, it isn't a cure for scratching, right? No, no. Uh, but it is interesting in that now. Oh, I presume it only works if you're looking in a mirror. So I'm yes, assuming that if you just get a scratch and you go, you know what? I've been scratching that way too much, and that's getting a bit aggravated. Yeah, I will scratch on the other side. I presume if you're not looking in a mirror, it, it doesn't, doesn't work. work. And I presume. But if you're looking in like a at a webcam image, it would work. Probably because you're a mirror. It's like also. a mirror image. So it's just body mind and mapping, mapping stuff, yeah. isn't it? And it is quite interesting. There's something there, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. This one was interesting. And Andreas uh, Sprenger was there to pick up the price. Well done. Yes, good job. And I don't know. Do you think that could go anywhere? That that research. Could be used as a therapy, for yeah. example, bites, burns, or stuff like that. Yeah. Put the mirror in front and scratch instead of, you know, itchiness or uh, when you have a rash. Yeah. Instead of scratching the rash and making it worse, scratch the mirror part. I wonder if you Could had... relief. What if you had a person stood in front of you facing you, right? And you got an itch on your left-hand side. And you got them and you to scratch the other side, whether it would go or not. I just had a real itch. You had a real side, yeah. <laughs> we'll we'll probably never know. Yeah. Anyway, I I think you know if if they had European grant money for that, taxpayers euros well spent. I think buy mirrors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Buy more mirrors. Yes. This is the advice here. So what about this next one? Next one? Oh, this is for me. That's your turn. Oh, yeah. God, look at those. You're going to have to pronounce these names. Okay. Um, this is the... <laughs> this is the Psychology Prize. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or is it? Yeah. Uh, this is the Psychology Prize, and it was actually awarded to uh, a team uh, from uh, five countries, Belgium... Uh, the Netherlands, Germany, Canada, and the USA. And I can at least pronounce one name, which is Evelyn Deby, I think it is. Uh, Martin de Shriver, Shriver. Uh-huh. Gordon Logan, Christina Sukotsky, is that? Uh-huh. And Bruno Vescuri. And here's what they uh-huh. did. Oh. And this is epic, this is people. Epic, really. They are... They got the award for asking a thousand liars how often they lie and then for deciding whether to believe the answers. Yes. Now, I, no. <laughs> I don't know where to go with this. Have one. you even come to a, with this study to are real, not biased answers. Well, the problem is that every time I think about it, I think, well, how do you know? If there are things <laughs> exactly. So how can you come to a conclusion of how, how often they lie? I think there are, there are psychological tricks that you can use to ensure, find out whether somebody's telling the truth or not. What I love is the name of the reference. Yes. From junior to senior Pinocchio. Pinocchio. <laughs> 
<laughs> a cross-sectional lifespan investigation of deception. That trips off the tongue, doesn't it? And that was published in something called Acta Psychologica. Never heard of that one. And one of the people actually turned up, Bruno Vescuri. Vescuri. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not entirely sure where that's going. Are you? No. And I don't know how useful actually this was. Maybe if one of them are listening to the podcast, they could Maybe explain they could to us. T- yeah, why you did this. Why, why would you engage in, one, in such a study? Such a thing. It's probably got some kind of practical use, but it escapes us for the moment. Probably. Or does it, is the question. Right? <laughs> I mean... Now... What do you think would be the answer of a person if you ask him, how often do you lie? Well, this is a problem, isn't it? Right? Yeah. But th- there is actually a way of asking that question where you can actually get the correct answer. How many times have you lied in the last two hours? No, it's not like that. No? I think it's actually three questions. Yeah. I believe you can ask three questions, and from the answer to those three questions, you can actually figure out. But I think one question... I don't know. I don't, yeah. It's got to be statistical. Well, it doesn't really say, actually, but... Uh, it's got to be statistical yeah. or something or other, hasn't it? Because a thousand liars. And how yeah. do you know, first where, of all, where if did, they were liars... Where did they go? Parliament? <laughs> Probably some politicians were lined up. Maybe they were getting uh, some, you know, coupons for after. Yeah. Maybe they, well, you know, Yeah. who knows? <laughs> yes, maybe they went to the European Parliament and asked there. <laughs> Or your favorite country you would like to put <laughs> yeah. there the name. Insert country Insert of your name. choice. <laughs> um, is this yours, this one? Uh, yes. Okay. Thank goodness for Peace that. Prize. The Peace Prize. <laughs> and it, this was awarded to some guys from Canada and the US. <laughs> Gordon Pennycook, James Allen uh, Cheney, yeah. uh, Nathaniel Barr, Derek uh, Culler, and Jonathan uh, Fugel sang for their scholarly study called On the Reception and Detection of Pseudo-Profound Bullshit. Fantastic. Oh, my God. If that phrase didn't exist, it would have had to have been invented. Pseudo-Profound. Pseudo-Profound Bullshit. Pseudo-Profound Bullshit. So, there is a reference paper... Yes, on the reception and detection of pseudo profound bullshit. bullshit. And it was published in Judgment and Decision Making, Volume 10, 2015, November. Yeah. Um, and a number of the researchers turned up to receive the prize. All, All of them. All of them were there. Well, they were from know, Canada James, and the US. Jim Salen was not there. They were from Canada and the US, yeah. so probably the guy from Canada didn't turn up. Probably. It's him. Yeah. <laughs> so he came up he came up with some well, bullshit about why exactly. <laughs> exactly what I was saying. Probably he came with some kind of bullshit that he couldn't cut in. I mean I mean I I think I've said to you, I I learnt many years ago the uh the uh the the three Bs, right? Uh-huh. The three Bs principle, which is bullshit baffles brains, right? And <laughs> Uh, yeah. People who know me know I've used that extensively throughout my my life, and I've got a feeling this is possibly 
some scientific actual research into that phenomenon. Into that, right? yeah. Because bullshit definitely does baffle brains. There's no uh-huh. doubt about that. Of course. Um, so th- I think they are to be congratulated. And when it when it says on the reception and detection of pseudoprofound bullshit, I would love to know how you actually do detect it. So Yeah, that would be interesting to know. Because good bullshit always has an element of truth in it, as we know. Yeah. And it's how you actually tease out the fact that actually it is BS, right? Mm -hmm. It is not easy. No. Uh, Okay. And then, but how is this related to peace? Well, obviously, can you imagine being, if you're in... Uh, the field of international relations and diplomacy or something, you surely must be, have to be well schooled in the principles of detecting BS, right? You must have to be. Yeah. You must have to, uh, you must have to build, um, you must have to build a highly tuned sense of when you're being BS, right? Mm-hmm. Because you you look at international news at the moment about Syria, for example, yeah, and the fact that you have uh, the US and the UK on the one hand saying to Russia, you know, you've done this, you've done that, blah blah blah, yeah. yada yada yada, throwing the ball here, yeah, and, and the Russians are coming back with, oh, you know, we didn't do that. It's actually you, you. that the, uh-huh. now they can't both be right. Um, one of them's BSing. Yeah, of course. How do you detect it? And, and more importantly, not just if you're a politician, what about you and I, ordinary yeah. people? How do we yeah. know what the truth is, right? This is the this is a problem. We've talked in the past about the um, UK exiting the European Union. Uh-huh. The whole campaign for running up to that referendum was BS. Was all BS, right? There was no independent way you could determine who was telling the truth. That yeah. is bad, right? Mm-hmm. That is not democracy in my mm-hmm. in my book. Yeah. So I think this there's more to that than uh, it's not just a bit of fun. I think there's something something serious there. Okay. There you go. Next prize, your turn. Is it my turn? Yeah. Okay. The next prize is the biology prize and it was awarded to the UK and I'm glad I've got this one because it's a fellow countryman yeah. and I am proud of this man. Uh-huh. Anyway, it was a it was awarded jointly to uh Charles Foster and to Thomas Thwaites. Now it was a vo- it was awarded to Charles Foster for living in the wild as, at different times, a badger, an otter, a deer, a fox, and a bird. And to Thomas Thwaites, he went the extra mile. He has to be congratulated here. He went the extra mile, and he had prosthetic extensions for his limbs that allowed him to move in the manner of a goat. And he actually lived... 
with, in the hills with goats. With goats. And I read an article about this because I felt I needed to, to understand where he was coming from. Yeah. And there are pictures of him with the goats. It has to be said, he wore a cycling helmet at all times. Uh-huh. Just in case there was a, a goat-related incident, because they are a bit, you know, prone to headbutting. Um, but he yeah. actually ended up developing a strong relationship, yeah. and we're saying nothing else. <laughs> but he ended, up, he ended up developing a strong relationship with one particular goat, <laughs> and that goat actually defended him against a, another goat. Oh. So there was clearly was... Some kind of meeting of minds there. Well, he said that initially mm. he did all this, this effort, in an attempt to escape the stress yeah. of modern living. I've got a feeling this guy isn't married. I don't know what you think. Yeah, I think I've yeah. got a feeling. But then it became a passion. That is worrying. That yes. kind of language. Yes. Yeah, I know. Um, but, you know, he got a lot of fresh air. I think <laughs> goats are quite funny anyway. I mean, goats, right? Yeah. They have that kind of look on their face, like they're laughing at you. They have that kind of smile, don't they? Uh-huh. Like they know something that we don't. Uh-huh. It's weird. Right? And there is a, a declaration also to the BBC News. Oh, yeah. I was just sort of walking around, you know, chewing grass. Yeah, that's weird. I just looked up and then suddenly realized that everyone else had stopped chewing. Yeah. And there was this tension, which I hadn't kind of noticed before. And then one or two of the goats started tossing their horns around, and I think I was about to get in a fight. Yeah, and this is where his buddy goat yeah came him. to the rescue. Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. I mean, that's probably changed him this experience. I think. Yeah, <laughs> but I think so. But apparently, he's hung up his uh, goat prosthetics now, and he's returned. He's now reintegrated into, into society. society. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. And there's the references here. Oh, yeah, interesting references, yeah. Goatman, how I took a holiday from being a human. Yeah. That was Princeton Architectural Press, 2016. Why, why do you think that was in Princeton Architectural Press? I have no idea. Probably in the, in the and finally section at the back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <And> the- <laughs> we didn't have enough classified advertising this month. So we're going to print yeah. this, right? And the second reference is Being a Beast by Charles Foster. Yeah. Profile Books, 2016. Now, we don't know enough, We don't know a lot about Charles Foster, do we? No. Because... I think most of the highlights got The attention by, was yeah. by Goatman. And, and the funny, both of them attended. Yeah. But there's an interesting note. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Note... Thomas Thwaites goat suit was kindly released at Ig Nobel purposes from the exhibition platform body slash space. I'm not even going to pronounce that at place. Het Nieuwe Institute. In Rotterdam. And will be back on display at the museum from the 4th of October. So his he, suit of goat suit became a piece of museum. Right. All oh, right. It from the... All oh, right. So you... That is a bit confusing. How's that phrase? So you're saying yeah. it was put on display? Yes. 
and it's going to be back on display on October 4th. Oh, right. And it was uh, released for the Nobel Prizes right, to be shown it. there. And it's going back to the museum. In Rotterdam. Yeah. I bet that's fascinating, that exhibition, right? Oh, yeah. So. Okay. My turn. Literature Prize. Yeah. To Sweden. A guy, Frederick <laughs> Joberg, for his three volume. Three, okay? Three, three not three one. <laughs> autobiographical work about the pleasures of collecting flies that are dead and flies that are not yet dead. So it's basically fly collecting. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. would you have material for three books? I don't know. Of the, To express the pleasures of collecting flies Maybe there that are, are dead? There could be a lot of pictures. Maybe it was a graphical novel, right? It could be a scratch and sniff novel. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Three volume autobiographical. So it's obviously about his life. I sup- yeah, of course. His life catching Al- flies. Auto obviously means obviously somebody alive. Um The reference. Yeah. The, the fly, fly trap. trap. The fly trap. <laughs> Is the first volume of uh, the <laughs> trilogy. The Path of a Fly Collector is the whole trilogy name. Do I do I feel a movie coming on? We have already movies with the fly. Yeah, but this is this is different. This is yeah. this is out there. Right? And do you think that what could happen in the story? The flies would rebel? Um I I really Maybe. wouldn't like to hazard a guess on that one. Maybe some will get resurrected. Or maybe the flies, and I'm borrowing from a science fiction story here, maybe they, the ones that are alive, form themselves into words on the wall to communicate with him. Something like that. You will die. (laughs) (laughs) Die, human. (laughs) That is... It has to be in a wall, of course, that message, yeah. But we we don't fly in the wall documentary, right? Yeah, oh, very good. Now, what what we don't know is what this guy does for a living. living. I mean, is he a research scientist? He writes books. He clearly, clearly. he clearly is a writer of some <laughs> some renown. Um, and he was there to collect his prize. Yes. Uh, there are so many places we can go with this, but I don't think we should. No, I think so we, should, we should just move on. To should the we next move one. swiftly on? Yeah, uh, I think this is the final. One, it's the final it? one, yes. And it is the perception prize. Is, is this for me or you? This one for you. Oh, it's for me. Um, it's the perception prize, and it goes. To, <laughs> I, I quite like. I actually had a discussion with somebody about this. Uh, it goes to Japan, and. Rafa will now announce these names because <laughs> okay. he's good at this stuff. Atsuki Higashiyama. Oh, yeah. And Gohei Adaki. Oh, very good. For investigating, and obviously this has all occurred to all of us from at some point in our lives, Yeah. whether things look different when you bend over and view them between <laughs> your legs. 
Now, this sounds so weird in this, old sense. <laughs> and, and there is a reference which is a perceived size and perceived distance of targets viewed from between the legs. Evidence for proprioceptive theory. Now, we don't know what that is. No. Honestly, um, I have no idea. What if the listeners know? Please. Please I'm sh- explain to us. I'm sure we could Google it, but... Yeah. Um, now, the research was published in Vision Research, and one of the researchers actually did Mr. Higashiyama turned uh-huh. up. Now... We've all done this, right? Whether we were kids yeah, or whatever. Mostly, I think, when we were kids. I think it's a common thing. And I never noticed anything particular when I was doing it, but um, clearly there is something. Isn't this a bit like this kind of thing where if you see somebody's face upside yeah. down, yeah, it, it looks really weird, right? And shows something else different. Yeah, and you don't instantly recognize them. Yeah. And there's some point as you turn it around Your where brain you go, just... It clicks and gets it. So obviously it does something to your perception because you're looking yeah. at things upside down. Uh-huh. It's basically what's going on. I think that's the I thing. wonder if you tried to walk upside down. I've also tried that, obviously, not recently. When, uh-huh. I, when I was a kid, right? Uh-huh. We've all done it, I think. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, that is the perception Prize. I'm not sure where it's going. No. Um, Is there any application for this? Would it be? Um, there's probably an app for it, and if there isn't, somebody's probably writing one right now. And what you walk with your phone between your legs? Yeah, and maybe it turns it the right way up. Probably. I don't know. It'll be something like, or it tells you the distance, and yeah, the, there'll be there'll be something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's probably worth a go to join the other 100 million useless apps there are out there. Um, so there we have it. There are this year's 2016 Ig Nobel no. Prizes. This was a special brought yes. to you by Down the Rabbit Hole. Oh, uh, one show only, but special one. We thought it was worth, worth doing. It. People need yeah. to know about this stuff, right? Of course. It's not all about the other stuff. So now is your turn. Yeah. To let us know, what do you think hmm. about the prices? And which one is your favorite? Which one is your favorite? And if you think something else should have been nominated, what uh-huh. would it be? Right? Mm-hmm. Or if you have yourself a study, if you're doing some research, research yeah. that you think should have been included, yeah. which one is it? We'd like to hear that as well. We would like to hear that. We would. Because uh-huh. we like this stuff. Yeah. We would even call you and get you on. Know, We'd have you on We're the show. Interview on right? the show, yeah. Absolutely. For sure. We're talking free publicity here, people. Oh, yeah. There okay, Rafa. Thank you. Thank you for the show today. It was really fun. It was really good. Interesting. Yeah. See you next week, uh, Carl. Yeah, when we do something else. Yeah. We will do something else down the rabbit hole. Okay. See you. Bye. Bye. All names, sounds, logos, and other related items are owned by their respective trademark and copyright holders. This podcast is a production of Dark Mind Radio. Go to darkmindradio.com to find out more. All rights reserved, Dark Mind Radio 2016.